I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleich, for part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com. And with me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, the Thunder won the second road game uh, of the season. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? That's great, isn't it? Well, I think there are two perspectives. I th- Here's the deal. It felt good to win. I still enjoy this team winning but there is there's the flip side to it and it's where you go to uh my new favorite website tankathon.com and you take a look at the inverse standings and the thunder are currently sitting with the 13th pick in the draft which gives you a 4.8 percent chance to get into the top four and a 1% chance to get the number one overall pick. And so for today, Monday, December 2nd, feels pretty good to get a win. Feels pretty good. Uh, When we get to May, it's not going to feel pretty good to have this win. And and that, (laughs) that's where I sit. (laughs) There's a a dissonance with it. There really is. There's And especially with the team they have today. Because you have Gallo, you have Chris Paul, you have Steven, you have these guys, you have Schroeder, you have guys that probably aren't going to be around for a super long time. And there's this dissonance because this team can win. You want them to play to their maximum ability. But also, you look at the 13th pick, boy, that doesn't look so good. That doesn't look so good when you get to the end of the season because the guys that are typically chosen around the 13th spot are typically non-contributors on the NBA level for the most part. What's that sound? Uh, Is there a train heading toward you? an ambulance. Okay. But I hope it moves quickly. That's okay. It's like, I don't know, 200 yards from me. But it's extremely loud, so I'll try to, <laughs> okay. to change uh, spot. It won't be easy. I hope it doesn't... Well, no, it stopped there, so I really need to, to relocate. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Okay. So relocating while the ambulance is going towards you. Okay. Um, now I, I completely lost what I, what I wanted to say. Um, but I are you telling me that... It's not sustainable to think that OKC will be like barely outside the playoffs and they cannot do the the New Orleans thing where they draft Zion Williamson. Oh sure, it's possible. Sure, it's possible. <laughs> no, I mean, ju- jokes aside, I mean, you are perfectly right in in doing the math. Like you have more chances if you if you're bad to to get the the number one pick. Now, what I what I think is that is it is this the year where you really bottom out? 
And this is the question that I have from, from, from the beginning for two reasons. One, if you have Chris Paul, if you have Danilo, if you have Steven, um, A, you will win more games uh, than, than what you expect, uh, than what you want in terms of your tank race. And B, your core of players will learn and will be in different uh, situations because of that. And so you will make the most uh, if you play at your best un until you have those players here. Because there is value, uh, not just in winning, but in playing the game in order to win. And this, I think, it's something... I, I, I listened to your podcast on, on Friday, and, and I think that both things can be true. Like, um, not wanting your team to win, period, uh, um, not having so much value on winning itself, but what you need to do in order to win in the NBA has value. Because one of your examples was Devin Booker. Well, even if I think that Devin Booker is a great player and will be, no matter what it, what it happened in the first few seasons in Phoenix, I do think that he lost quite some time in learning how to play defense uh, and learning how to, to do stuff on the defensive end that he will need in order to win a championship. Um, My question will be, so, is that is that an yeah. organizational problem or is that a is that a result of losing? You know what I mean? I, th uh, I think it's because he's had... How many coaches has he had? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like five no, I coaches? Mean, yes. This is where I think we kind of agree to, in part, with uh, with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, because here, I, I do think that there is a value in doing the, the little things. And I think that there are many coaches that lose in this league while doing the right things. And yeah. this is what I want for my losing team. Like a team that plays hard, that competes, that do everything they could to win games. Uh, with the players they have on the court. This yeah. is what I want for my team. Well, that's and if that's a team Brett plays Brown. Like that, that's what Brown did the whole time. They had tons of players cycling in and out, but they always yeah. played yeah. hard on defense. They always did the right things yes. on defense. So, yeah. So that's even, the most even when they won, what, like 12 games or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, sort of. Yes, yes. But the point is, um, it's not easy and Philly prove that to a certain degree to lose when you have at least a couple of good players to lose badly when you have a couple of good players and you play the right way yeah not even brooklyn could lose completely as soon as they had like a few good players and yeah. playing a good system so it's hard to have a 20 winning a 20 win team when you have shea and adams mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i mean the point is I don't want them to quit on games in order for the team to lose. Um, I don't think anybody wants, and they won't. I mean, that's the that's the thing yeah. is that players and coaches. I think people have this so twisted. Players and coaches yeah. don't play to lose because their organization is headed in a certain way. They're going to play the same way no matter what, and you should want them yeah. to. Like I want them to. I want them to play hard. Yeah. I want them to to do the right things. I want there to be growth with players. Uh, but I also realistically know that the only other way, the, really the only way, and it's not the Thunder that have set up this system. 
It's not it's not me. Don't be mad at me. I'd be mad at the NBA. Yeah. I'd be mad that the NBA has set up a system to where the the only way for small markets to get superstar players and to get them to stay for a certain amount of time, the only way is to draft them. And just about yeah. the only place the highest odds to get that kind of player is in the top five. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's the way to do it. It's, it is the way it's not the most fun way to do it. I wish that they could just be a middling team and then somehow wind up with these great players. That would be wonderful. I mean, they, you could draft the best guy at 13. Who knows? I don't think that will happen, but it's possible and then you're set up. But if you have a chance to draft that guy at six or seven, I mean, that I think you you give yourself a, a lot better chance. Uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, what, no, I don't I mean, expect, I, I don't even know if I expect the Thunder to have a top five pick this year. But yeah, you, I don't want to get to the end of the season and they're sitting at 13 or 14. I don't want that. Well, flip argument. Like counter argument, if they are the pick number, I don't know, 13, 14, while playing without Chris Paul uh, and Danilo Gallinari, maybe you can be happy no matter what. I mean, I know that you would love to have them a little bit less, but if this team without Gallinari and Paul is so good that they are barely outside of the playoff race, I know that this leads to a middling team, but but it is what it is. I just <laughs> don't see how I are good enough. I don't see how that is possible. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it would take different a different level from at least one or two players that we are not witnessing right now. I mean, it's twenty two sh- currently twenty two shots redistributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. I you agree. know. I mean, it's and, like 33 points. I, I don't know where you get 33 extra points on the squad. You'll get them. You'll get them somehow, but I think you'll get them inefficiently, and yeah. there'll be a price to pay for it, I, you, especially from Gallo. Like, Gallo's been so good. He has yeah. been unbelievable as an offensive player. It's a small sample. I just That's one thing I don't get is if this team is playing to win, if they're playing to win these games, why in the world does Danilo Gallinari not take more shots and have more possessions and get to do more with the basketball? Why are all these possessions going to Dennis Schroeder? I mean, if you want to... Also, if you want to be mad about the Thunder not winning games, be mad that possessions are going to Schroeder and not to Gallo. Because when you look at their percentages and the kind of players that they are, it's they're just staggeringly different when it comes to efficiency. And it yep. makes little sense that Gala wouldn't have the ball more. Uh, I mean, you look at pick-and-roll ball handler in particular, and I know you can't give him the ball a ton in the pick-and-roll, but he does. he should have more... He should have more opportunities, at least, because his numbers are outrageous. 1.26 points per possession in, as a pick-and-roll ball handler. CP3 is still very good at a 1.06. That's <laughs> tremendous for 
yeah. for a guy his age. SGA 0.85, not wonderful, but no. acceptable at in year two. Schroeder 0.77, it's not good, and he's getting way too it's many oppor- he's getting way too many opportunities to do it, way too many, and that's that's a problem. And he's played well. He's had some good games. That's great. But still, when you have these other options, I mean, Shea is obviously still a much better option as a pick-and-roll ball handler than Schroeder is. And so it's, it's a little perplexing how much, how much Schroeder gets to do with this squad. Don't you, don't you think? Because he gets to do a lot and gets to, be the, yeah. gets to be the closer. And maybe he's the most aggressive offensive player the Thunder have, uh, but I still don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – you are right uh, in terms of the the number of shots that Gallo gets, the number of shots that CP3 gets. Um, but I had this thought this morning while I was, I was watching the game in DVR, and I thought, well, they could run way more spread pick and roll, period, like they do in the – in the last quarter of the no game. No doubt. And they don't do that. No. They don't do that. And I think this is by design. It is by design yeah. not yeah. to give Adams just rolls to the basket. It, it is yeah. by design to play two, three, four handoffs and then movement and then screens. Uh, Shea screens a lot. Um, Fur screens a lot. All this movement. And, and when you look at it, you say, well, why are they doing this? They can just go into a pick and roll with with Chris Paul or with Danilo Gallinari. You can play a pick and pop with Danilo whenever you want, and you get a clean look. Why they don't do that? Uh, I think the reason is they want to build something stable in terms of of playing quality, like of uh, shots quality. And to their credit and John touched on it on Thunder of the Dark, uh, I think that the quality of the shots that the OKC gets, no matter who's on the court, is pretty high. Yeah. Like, Nader got four completely open trees. Fur got five completely open trees. Gallo had 14 open looks. Like, all of them. And so, I think that they want to have a ball ender that is pretty aggressive. And I know that you want your lead ball and not to be shorter and that's something that I kind of agree with you uh, but on the other end it's I think it's the only way to keep him engaged with the season and and to showcase him with other teams because if you park shooter in the corner it's not nearly as effective and I I'm I'm saying this knowing he's a efficiency number when he has the ball in his hand mm-hmm. but I, I I think that when you slide him off the ball you decrease that even more and so I think that Billy is trying to to build a system that the day Chris Paul and Danilo are not here you have less uh, less scoring punches less uh, efficiency less accuracy but still the same shot quality yeah yeah and that may that that's that's probably the truth. And I I still feel like Schroeder is he's he's been good in spots. I feel like he's been good as of late. Uh but he's I still think he's a little bit of a fly in the ointment a little bit with this team. Um 
especially if this team is going to win and play and play the right way. And I just personally would rather have way more possessions for Shea because he was yeah. he's passive in a lot of ways, and he wasn't that way to start the season. And I would like to see he's more aggressive last night, but I want to see him be more aggressive more often and just have more chances. Yeah. I do think that this team will play way more for Shea the minute this this team change the look uh, in terms of, of guys on the roster. Yeah. And um, But I do think that Billy is challenging Shea way more like this. Like, if you have to be effective without the ball in your hands all the time, this is something that makes Shea work even harder. Mm-hmm. And on defense, like, the first few weeks of the season, I realized, well, Shea is, is, is on the worst guy on the other team yeah. in terms of wings. Right now, not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was uh, he started a lot of possession on, on Ingram, then a few um, on Hart. Maybe here and there he was guarding Holiday. So Billy is really trying to, to put him in, in a bad spot. And see what happens. And this is why you can do this now because you have other options. You can you can put him off the court. You can you can do whatever because you have other guys against the up. Like the moment you don't have that luxury, it's all on Shea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think that this team will be beneficial, even if he doesn't take like twenty five shots a game, which I I believe he can. But you balance the egos and you balance his assignment, like with a long view. Again, a, a disgruntled, uh, disgruntled shooter or Chris Paul is not what you want. You want them happy. You want them engaged uh, for as long as they as they are here. Sure. To give some time to find a new home for them, mm-hmm. and if that means making Shea work on other areas, I think he have. He has plenty of ways to work in his game. That even if he takes like twenty possessions or fifteen possessions a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he's struggled as of late, and we'll touch on that right after we talk about our first sponsor, and that's Peyton Marie Photo at Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram at PeytonMarie.com. Peyton is a Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative image, images. Her photography style is non-traditional, genuine, and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't look like anyone else's. She's based in OKC, but she'd love to travel anywhere for destination weddings and elopements. Right now, we talk about this every week, 10% off discount for Down to Dunk listeners. Just tell them that you listen to the podcast and she'll give you 10% off of a session or a wedding package booked in 2019. So we've got less than a month, guys, for this deal. So make sure that you book this with Peyton Marie. Go to Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram. Just check it out. Just scroll through. See what you think. It's great. It's a great product. She's a really great photographer. Or go to her website, PeytonMarie.com, to learn a little bit more about her and what she does and support the people that support down to dunk. So over the last five games for Shea, he's he struggled uh, in comparison to the first part of the season. 
He is 14.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 2.2 turnovers, 40% from the field, and 27% from three in the past five games. Uh, the home and away discrepancies are pretty interesting in themselves. Is that At home, he's 17 points, four rebounds, 3.5 assists. Uh, shooting 45% from the field, 37% from three. That's pretty good. Then when you get to the yeah. road, 13 points, five boards, three assists, 1.7 turnovers, uh, 35% from the field, 20% from three. Is where, well, does it- is where his struggles have been in the last five games is on the road. Yeah, and, and you have to factor in... The- the, the Portland game that was abysmal for everyone, not just yeah. Shay. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I mean you can you can sense that the is finishing at the rim, especially, is not the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that teams are already starting to recognize this, and they are challenging him to make shots. And so, like having to do this again without being the lead ball handler, so without having to pick your opponent because if you are the lead ball and there you can call a screen and kind of choose your assignment now shake cannot do that uh because it used to take uh pick and roll actions or anyway drives at the rim in different situations in secondary actions and that's much harder and so yeah i think that this will, will be can be a learning moment for shay but i'm i'm not entirely worried i mean i'm a bit worried in terms of uh his, his numbers because he's not as efficient as i thought he could be even with um factoring all the opponents and 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 like team construction stuff but um but not like concerned to a higher degree i mean he will be fine um but yeah, we can surely uh, say that he has been not great over the last uh, over the last few weeks. I would say. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and worried is not. I, I wouldn't say I feel worried about him. Uh, I I do think that guys go through this in order to yeah. grow. You know, he's still 18 points per game, 35 percent from three, five rebounds, three assists on the season, and he can. And he can do it in multiple ways. And I think that he has a chance to be a really complete offensive player. Like you said, he can play off the ball, which is important through the evolution of your career. It's important to be able to play off the ball. And we're seeing it right now with Westbrook and James Harden is that Westbrook is not efficient off the ball. He's just not. That's just not who he is. It's never been who he is. He's always been on the ball. And, you know, he never had to really learn how to play off the ball. And maybe he just was never going to be, even if he did learn how to play off the ball. Um, But we all, everybody knows he could do more. He's a big body point guard. He could set screens. He could cut to the basket. He could do a whole lot more with his activity. Everybody knows that. Everybody has talked about that. And I think your point about Shea was, was really good one that, playing off the ball and learning how to do that early on is is good for him because if you mm-hmm. just hand him the keys and you're like all right you're the guy and you just let him have it like I, I don't know if you you can be an effective off-ball player if you never play off the ball 
And so uh, this could be an important developmental minutes for him. I also would just love to see him have 20 shots and run the offense. And they're not, they're running the offense through the big man, through the high post right now, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I think is interesting. <laughs> I think that it can be helpful yeah. with ball movement and player movement, which is what the Thunder have always wanted. Uh, it gets Steven involved in a way that he hasn't really been in the offense before. Uh, and it's probably a lot easier on Steven's body not to roll to the basket every single time. Uh, and he's looked better. Steven looked so much better the last few games. He looked great last night. And I don't know if it's just the opponent. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a much easier opponent playing against uh, Jill Okafor as the, the tough guy on the team. Especially mm-hmm. in comparison to like Derek Favors, who's also on that team, but's been out the past two games. Which I think I think Favors would have changed the game for them quite a bit, especially against Stephen, because Stephen was feasting against them. Yeah, I mean Stephen looked awesome last night, uh, and even um, two games ago, like the, the other uh, game against uh, the Pelicans. I mean when he has his little hook shot going on and he's fluid and you see him in rhythm. It's, it was just not there at the beginning of the season. No. I mean, it's not just the result. It, it's really the, the motion that leads to the attempt for Steven. Mm-hmm. And it was close to the same at the free throw line. Like, if you see the first five free throws that he took in the, in the last quarter, they were all the same. The, the ball in, in the hand looked very... Uh, on balance, the the wrist um, looked perfect. And then on the last one, it kind of like it's almost like he really changed the way in which he shot the free throw. It's weird, Stephen. Like you can see his movement being either perfectly executed or just wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, last night it was barely perfect. Like it was perfect. Up until that last free throw, that really didn't matter. Um, I like Steven engaged on offense in terms of his passing because mm-hmm. it can open up th- things that you can alternate um, with your standard pick and roll setting. And I think you need to have those. The, the Thunder are not using it late in the game as of now, but right. I, I'm sure that... Giving time, this will be something that OKC can rely on when they cannot get a shot in any other way. Mm-hmm. Especially if Steven can beat his man from that. Uh, and so maybe getting in a, in a post-up situation. Like, if you have Steven in command uh, of the offense there and he can throw a double team, you will have easy shots. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like that. I, I understand your point on wanting to have Shea way more engaged on like being a primary ball handler and stuff like that. But I think that having an alternative is what OKC missed a lot in the Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant era. Sure. Like if it's not them, it's nothing. You have no shot creation whatsoever. And I think that OKC is doing a much, much better job this season. And this is clearly um, uh, an em- a point of emphasis for, for the coaching staff and something that I think OKC is executing at a pretty good rate, I, I would say. Yeah. I just wish Steven would turn and shoot that shot, too. <laughs> I know that. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what... So, Marcus Gasol 
one of the most effective players at that spot, maybe ever. And part of it is that he would shoot that. He would yeah. shoot that shot. And you become yeah. a threat, like a real threat, where it's like, okay, we got to watch out. Because for now, it's, okay, I'm four feet off of Steven. And just yes. make sure he doesn't go roll to the rim. And that's what the defender does. And Steven just looks to make the pass. If he would, because he can shoot it. He can. I've seen him do it. Yeah. If he would be willing to turn and shoot and he could hit it at a decent rate, it What's opens. What's decent for you? I don't know, 40%? Mm, not enough. I know, it's, I know it's not enough. I, I mean, maybe not, but sometimes just knowing that somebody's going to shoot it is enough. Hmm. Okay. And that he's made it is enough. Sometimes that's enough. Yeah, I know I know the number's not great. The 40% yeah. from there is not great. And Steven knows it's not great, and that's why he won't shoot it. That's why he won't shoot it, is because he knows it's not efficient. But I would like for him to be able to shoot it. I would like for him to feel confident enough to shoot it. And if it's only 40% and you get a defender that's two feet from Steven and feels like they have to pay attention to him, I think it would open up so much more. Oh, yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with that. You know that. I mean, we, we discussed that many times, uh, even privately, about the idea of having Steven as a threat uh, in two, three spots of the court. Like, top of the key, one of the corners, uh, you don't need both, and the elbow. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if when this team will be different, uh, if Stevens will feel the need to do a little bit more because he'll now have he can to. He'll realize have to. If they're going well, to score 100 points in a game he's going to have to yeah yeah i mean i, I can see his brain like processing well if i if i can screen for chris ball here this will be a 50 percent shot so yeah. why do i do do i need to do something different i know he doesn't even consider it it's not no, even no, a con- it's, it's not even a consideration, and you see it on his face. Is that he doesn't look at the rim? He's the exactly. he's, he's the opposite of Nader in every way. Is that he doesn't look at the rim, and Nader looks at the rim every time. Should we make our our own apology to to Abdul for being so like mean to him? Have we been that mean or not? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I felt, I feel like I, I've been at least harsh with him, like a lot. Was it not like, accurate? And a lot of time. Was it not accurate in the moment? It was very accurate. I feel mm-hmm. that I maybe I pushed it a little bit too far. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he has played three okay games. So <laughs> one, one, one very good game, uh, one meaningless game, important. And last night I, I thought. He was okay in terms of shot shot selection and yeah. not terrible in defense. Sure. So, I mean, I think that I, at least I owe him this. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just a tenth player on the team. You know, he's like the tenth man. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like he's he's a fine tenth man, and he had a good game. That's awesome. It was really helpful. 
because without him, they don't win that game. They just don't. Uh, he's shot the ball well from three this season. He's 44%. He's made 12. Mm, he's made not tw- anymore. Oh, from, I guess. Well, I looked at NBA.com last night, I thought. Oh, no, that yeah, was no, 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 that was Rascal reference. Sorry, they didn't update it. 12 out of 31 now, yeah. I think. So it's Hold on, let me 33, 4? Yeah. Okay. Well, take I take it all back then. <laughs> no. <laughs> see, I was try- okay. see, McKellar, I was trying to uh, pump him up a little bit. And uh, yeah. you got to knock him back down. No, I mean, he's made 12 threes this season. That's great. He's it's yeah. he's not like some he's not some world beater. He had a good game. I, I I think guys can have good games. Like NBA players can have good games. And that's okay. It yeah. doesn't change who they are just because they have one or two good games. I think that you look over the, the larger sample and I think you kind of see yeah. who he is. And if he can blow up every once in a while, that's great. And also, here's the deal. When this team doesn't have Gallo and they don't have Schroeder, they're going to need somebody to take shots. And as long as Nader's on this team, it's going to be Nader time. I'll tell you that. Because he will take the shots. Because you look up and down the roster. When Gallo's gone, when Schroeder's gone, I think Chris will stay the whole season. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I do think Gallo and Schroeder will likely not be on this team the whole season. When they're mm-hmm. gone, 26 shots will have to be redistributed on this team. 26. Where do they go? Where do they go? Uh, um, tell me. You tell me. Like, if you are the coach, mm-hmm. what's, how would you try to... I don't know, to, to distribute them. So I think five right off the top need to go to Shea. Get him up to okay. 20, 20 field goal attempts per game. So now it's 21 shots that need to to get out there. Steven's taking seven. I think we can get him five more. Let's get him to 12. Can we get Steven 12 mm-hmm. attempts per game? I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I think Ferguson needs more shots. Uh, so now we're up to that's 16, uh, Ferguson at 4.7, get him seven shots. So mm-hmm. 2.3 shots per game. So yeah. we're like around so four, you, 14 shots left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chris could always take more shots. He takes 10 a game. Yeah. I should take like 16 at least. Yeah. So you are eight. So we have eight I shots. I think Hami. Hami needs to take more. Yeah, Hami will take more. Not need to, but he, he will. He will. He will take them. He's taking seven point seven shots per game. He's taking. Oh, he will rise up at least to ten. Yeah, more shots than Adams. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hami. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. So two crazy. or three more shots for for Nader. Nader wants them. Which he'll take them. Yeah. He will get. I mean, he gets them as soon as he gets the ball. He looks to. To take a shot, I don't know how many passes you registered up to now, like ten. <laughs> I don't know. Let me see if I can find it. It is, it, yeah, it's outrageous. He's had some good passes, but it's yeah. he has not yeah. had many passes. Yeah. Uh, which I know that ten is not the correct number, by the way. Right. 
No, no, <laughs> it cannot be ten. No, well, hockey passes probably ten is no, still low, but I don't know how many assists he has. Yeah. Oh, it, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's not many. I can look at assists mm-hmm. faster than I can. Um, yeah, then then you multiply by one point five, and you should have like yeah potential assists or something like that. Eight. Ha! Eight. What a what a great number. <laughs> Just yeah, a nice so, number. <laughs> so twelve. Twelve potential well maybe you know, yeah, but like like something between ten and twenty, which is still very, 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 very low. It's low for a guy that's played as yeah. many minutes as he's played. Yeah. Yeah, and for a guy who took like thirty three point shots and probably an equal number of twos, maybe like 50 shots. Well, I don't know, between 50 and 60. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty low number. What's your read on, on Baisley as of late? He looks like a, a 19-year-old rookie as of late is my read, don't you think? He's been He's had a rough go. And yeah, he made so – who was that against? They were, they were playing somebody at home – a week ago and he was hitting shots and he was mm-hmm. playing well and maybe against the Lakers, the Lakers. Yes. Playing against the Lakers that mm-hmm. first half and he had nine points. Maybe that's great. Yeah. Balls going in that, that feels good. Yeah. That's awesome. Still. I just was okay. I just need to see the right things from him, you know, because the ball going in isn't always indicative of even the kind of game that somebody's having or the kind of progress that somebody's making. Uh, especially a guy like Baisley. And so I want to, I just want to see more from him. And for whatever reason, he's looked more just lost and more rookie like and more than 19 over the past, probably three games. Um, even on, even on defense, some, he just hasn't looked the same. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if things are catching up to him or if scouting reports are out on him or, or what, but he's just looked, uh, he he's looked more like a 19-year-old rookie than he has really all season. Yeah, I mean, there are stuff in an NBA season that can get to you, I imagine. And I will make a very, very silly comparison. I mean, if you look at the Michele of two months ago compared to the one of now, now I'm completely out of sorts. The the, the schedule that I have to, to, to put in place in order just to follow NBA game, not, not playing them, yeah. it's crazy mm-hmm. crazy and i'm look at games almost always at the same hour one time i i looked at one at night and it was completely off for the for the, the week after yes i'm getting old i know but uh, and so i i imagine that the guy who's not used to, to travel that much and college player travels not a lot but at least they get the the sense of being in one place on uh, on Thursday night and maybe in the other one on Saturday. Basically, had none of this, and so like being in around game twenty uh, or right at twenty, probably um, it can be taxing on you, on your body, on the way you you are on the court, your energy level, and so. I mean, usually rookies have the wall like in January. I think that that hit basically pretty quickly but that's again that it is expected due to the way he i mean he handled um uh, his last year uh signing that contract with new balance i think 
that in a, probably in a month or so, we'll see a better version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope or so. Or maybe not. Yeah. I, I think he's a smart, smart player. I think that he can do a lot on the court. I think that the NBA game is incredibly difficult. And yeah. it's probably something that we don't talk enough about because we like call guys like garbage and that they're not any good. And I mean, the truth is this league is so difficult. It is so difficult Oops, to birds. play in. It was a good bird sound. Really, really good. It was a drop. It was actually a bird drop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, this league is so difficult. It's so difficult to play in. It's so difficult to learn. Uh, especially for guys that come into the league that are as inexperienced as Baisley is, uh, for him to come out and have the confidence that he's had is kind of outrageous, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And so it'll take it takes time. I mean, give him time. Yeah. It's going to take years for him, in my opinion, to to get to where he needs to be, and it and it should. He's nineteen. Yeah, and his defense is not bad. So you, at least you know that he's he's focusing on the right right stuff. Yeah, I remember Domas being completely out of sort on, on offense, and Domas oh. was much much better offensive player than him. Yeah, uh, right up to today. Like, oh, and he's a more experienced uh, they, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he played in Europe. He played in Gonzaga two seasons, and so and he was still completely out of sort. Yeah. But he was doing the right thing defensively. So until I see him being okay on defense, at least in the right spot, and he's always the first guy back from a transition oh. uh, opportunity. Like he runs, he the runs the so floor hard, extremely hard. Yeah, he does. And so, yeah, I mean, it's that that at least is good to watch. Uh, and I want his swagger to be back. Yeah, because he was like, I don't know, he had something. With him, with the, with the way he he played, um, and I I don't see that. Uh, I didn't see that in, over the last few games. But again, mm-hmm. uh, it can be a million things. Uh, I'm about to reveal to you how many total passes Abdul Nader's had this season. But before we get there, we're going to talk about KP's cleaning services. Call KP's cleaning services four zero five two nine zero eighty one seventy two to get a free quote. They are a cleaning service here in OKC, local small business. They service OKC and the surrounding metro areas. They're great, and they clean my house, and I'm looking forward to them cleaning it again. Uh, We just got the house decorated for Christmas, and what would make it even better is having them come and clean my house. And you may be having company over this month. This is a month where everybody has family in town or you're having a dinner at your house or having friends over uh it's the time to get together with people and you want to have a nice clean house and you're busy everybody's busy and you need somebody to do it for you call kp's cleaning services they are dedicated to giving a unique cleaning experience i've seen it myself they really go the extra mile uh in every way they brought us banana bread just out of the goodness of their hearts, they brought us banana bread just to say happy holidays and thanks. And it was just amazing. And it was very good banana bread, by the way. So 
just a local business that's going to go the extra mile for you, that's going to keep your house clean, contact them. Again, call or text them, 405-290-8172, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Just search KP's Cleaning Services. Support the people that support Down to Dunk. Okay, McKelly. Abdul Nader. I'm ready for the number. <laughs> you want to give another guess? You want to give like a... No, 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 no. I already made my... my ten? Educated. <laughs> Is that what you said? Uh, no, I mean, ten. No, ten, ten was like probably between, I don't know, like around 20, but I don't know. 110 passes made this season. Really? Yeah. Oh, that, that's a lot. But that, that yeah. doesn't... I want to know key passes, <laughs> the one who leads to a shot. Eight assists. He's had 17 potential assists. Oh, yeah, that number. Mm-hmm. That number. Okay, so 17 yeah. was the right number, between yep. 10 and 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, zero, sec- no, I mean- zero secondary assists from Nader. He's, he's about yeah. production only, McKelly. That's it. Yeah, he, he passes either for... Uh, like a moment where he cannot do anything else but reverting back to the center of the court and or doing um, a key key pass. By key pass, I mean, again, when the pass fully leads directly to a shot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 17, that's that's something. You know you know who leads the team in potential assists? Uh, no. It's the point guard. Tell me. Oh yeah. Okay. That, that was, I thought it, I thought it was hard, like someone like Schroeder or Gallo. But no, it's no. Chris Paul by a mile. Two hundred and twenty-nine yeah. potential assists. The next closest is Schroeder at one hundred and forty. Wow! Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is wild. That's a it's wild, wild number. That Shea is not in the middle. Shea's one twenty-six. He's the. Yeah, okay, so pretty close to, he's to, close to, to Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then fourth. Yeah, tell me. I, w- I will not guess right. It's the guy we've been talking about. Expanding his It's game. Adams? Yeah. Oh, Six- wow. That's Six- a good news, actually. 63 potential assists for, for oh, Steve. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a low, much games. lower number. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's not a good, good number for Steve. I mean... Final thought, and then I have to leave uh, to get back to my office. Um, I do think that the contract stuff is really, uh, I don't know, affecting our judgment on Chris Paul. Yeah. I think he can be the point guard of a championship team today, especially if you're able to manage his minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he he can give you so much with a simple play. I mean, if you if you have Chris Paul in a George Hill spot or Eric Bledsoe, oh. oh yeah, like you should want him. I know that if he drops, like if he gets injured in the middle of the playoff, you will regret it. But what if he stays mildly healthy until the last game of the season? Because you manage mm-hmm. his minutes, you play him twenty. 15, you sit him on back-to-backs. You do the Kawhi treatment. You take all the necessary precaution. I mean, he can give you, in the exact moment where you need a bucket, he can give you a pull-up. I mean, this it's is, insane. This is why the Sixers trade makes so much sense. 
This is why. Right here. Yeah, but I don't think that they will do that. They don't have... You don't trade Tobias for that. I think I you think do. You, you I think you do. For that. I think you do. I think you trade Tobias for that. Do you think you increase your title your title chances? I would trade. Huh. This could be actually interesting and something that happens. Would you trade uh, whatever Philly gives you uh, to get maybe just Tobias to Portland or whatever to get yeah. like picks and giving up though both Ferg and CP3? Yeah. Probably so. If you get huh. if you if you're getting a good enough asset back, I mean, if you can push the pick back to twenty twenty two, let's let's give it a go. Yeah. Hmm. You think they'd send okay. back? You think they'd send Zaire here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do that. Meet and uh, and let's the first pick from. I'd rather have Ferg than Zaire than Zaire, but if you're the Sixers, me too. You'd much rather have Ferg. Yeah, but then I have three players that are exactly the same in terms of potential, like Zersmith, Lou Dort, and, and, and Hami Diallo. Yeah. But it's basically two. Oh, you, have, you get three cracks of it, uh, out of it. No, no, Zaire, Zaire has a much higher ceiling. Let's see if all these non-shooters pans out. He has a lot higher ceiling. No, no, you're right. I'd like to give him a shot. I, I, like, yeah. I like Zaire in the draft. Yeah. And he's recovered no, from such a traumatic uh, illness. That there's yeah. just it's there's just a very little chance that this season was going to be the season for him, anyways, because he's a, like readjusting this season. So yeah. let him readjust here. Let's give him the shots. Let's give him the, the ten shots. Okay, we got to let you go, McKelly. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barry. You can follow me at Andrew K Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Thanks for listening. Leave us a five star iTunes review if you got time today. Make it a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday with Alex Spears.